This special edition podcast is brought to you by the Pro Bono Institute. PBI is a nonprofit organization that supports, enhances, and helps to transform the pro bono efforts of major law firms, in-house corporate legal departments, and public interest organizations in the U.S. and around the world. Welcome to PBI's podcast, The Challenge of COVID-19, Legal Community and Action, Episode 3. I'm your host, Nihad Mansour, PBI's Assistant Director of the Law Firm Pro Bono Project. In today's podcast, PBI scans the country and the globe to gather additional insights on the challenges faced in providing pro bono and legal aid services in light of COVID-19 and the creative solutions being adopted. We hear from representatives of Massachusetts Mutual Life Insurance Company, a leader of in-house pro bono and community services headquartered in New England and operating around the globe, the Legal Aid Foundation of Los Angeles on the West Coast, and Baker McKenzie, a major law firm which has 10 U.S. offices around the country and offices in almost 50 other countries worldwide. COVID-19 has had a tremendous impact on the provision of legal services by Legal Service Corporation grantees. Sylvia Argueta, Executive Director of Legal Aid Foundation of Los Angeles, shared more about this impact and how they're overcoming these obstacles to continue connecting with clients. Providing legal services to clients right now is taking a little bit longer as remote services have slowed down our legal services delivery process. Although NAFLA created additional phone lines and we posted signs in all of our offices outside big banners, and at partner locations, the process of onboarding clients is much more drawn out due to a number of factors. For example, our clients are, by their nature, low income, and they have limited access at times to technology such as either scanners or printers or computers. Most of them have smartphones, which is a wonderful thing, but it does slow down our process, and so we're having to mail documents and use Pretty much old-fashioned ways of doing work with our clients of mailing supporting documents because they can't come into the offices to give them to us as they normally would. LAFLA, you know, has a very small crew of staff that, you know, maybe one or two people will come into the office and at times have had to meet with the client and we observe all the social distancing because someone simply just doesn't have the technology and we need things signed and we need to ensure that we're continuing their cases because our lawyers each had very big caseloads already. And some of the clients do have to come in and we have, you know, the masks and the gloves and the everything that they, that we need and to ensure that people are are safe, that our staff are safe, that our clients are safe. But we also work with um, community-based organizations to ensure that they have our materials. We've mailed them uh, things because most of us are still receiving our mail. And we've electronically sent it to them to say, we're open, we're here to help. And we know people are dropping in because some community-based organizations have moved from providing the services that they normally did to now providing food services and baskets for people to have the food that they need. And in there, we're putting flyers so that people know, look, we're open, we can reach you. Our next phase will be to go to grocery stores. We've already reached out to some to put our information to say we're open we're here. So we're going back to the way old things were done a while, uh, a while back with just the regular reaching out to folks person to person and asking. And we've been happy that some of the grocery stores have responded and said, absolutely. And some of the mom and pop stores for some of the, our clients, we're located in communities where 
mom and pop stores are more common than big grocery stores. So staff have reached out to some of these, you know, small grocery stores that are ethnic. And, and they've been so they're like, yes, legal aid, of course, we'll help you. And I think that to me, that is wonderful because it speaks a lot about why we are embedded in communities and because people know us. And so they're like, yes. And, you know, when we put up our banners, <laughs> there have been big banners that said legal aid help and that it had our 800 number and our website and we saw an uptick in, in calls coming in. So, and that was just a brainstorm with my staff and the director of litigation said, how do, how else do we reach people? Um, because it's a constant conversation. And, you know, the proponents have asked us, how are you reaching people? And we're like, we're trying to be creative. We're putting banners in front of our, every office has a big banner. And we're going to the grocery stores and they were like, what? Oh my God. Law firms are finding creative ways to help remotely, stressing the importance of fitting solutions to the client. Angela Vigil, Executive Director and Partner of Pro Bono Practice at Baker McKenzie, gives one example of how they are helping homeless youth. We work a lot with homeless youth, so we're doing a lot of creating resources so that homeless kids and young people experiencing homelessness can figure out how they can get to those checks that people are getting to. How do you get to a test? that is supposed to come to your, your, your you know, direct deposit when you don't bank, you don't have an ID, and you don't have an address. And certainly you never you know, filed taxes. So you didn't file taxes last year because you didn't make any money last year because you were living on the street. So not, you know, everyone's doing what they're supposed to, but you have to have done a little bit more than just what these, what these folks, some of them were able to do. So we're, we're not only drafting things for business clients on how to address what the effect of the CARES Act is going to be. And on the COVID-19 website for a bigger McKenzie, there's a pro bono corner that's being put together for employee assistance and small businesses, but maybe most importantly, um, how to access payments and some of these benefits that are coming online from the federal government if you don't have all of the paperwork in place that you need to get them. Legal Aid Foundation of Los Angeles is one of many legal service providers in the country currently dealing with the impact of courts and organizations closing. I think the biggest challenge with the court closures has been our self-help centers and our volunteers. So we had a lot of pro bono volunteers, mostly attorneys who were either semi-retired or hired, who would come to the centers and assist us with the litigants. And we also had law students and undergrads, frankly, and that isn't happening because we're not allowed to be in the courthouse. Our staff is still doing calls and we created these phone lines and we put up um, signs that the court asked us to at the courthouse. So there's ways to get to us, but unfortunately the, the volunteer corps there, because it's all done by phone and our staff have been very busy fielding those calls, we haven't quite figured out how to enable them to also help us with calls, but I think we're going to have to purchase some more lines for them under our phone system so they can also have phones ringing at their cell phones and we can help them. Our pro bono is continuing, but obviously the pandemic has reduced the availability of some pro bono cases and projects. So for example, LAFLA has many in-person clinics, which are hosted by courts, domestic violence shelters, medical centers, areas. And community organizations and our pro bono partners generally show up, um, law firms bring their associates. And that unfortunately has stopped because all these places have closed. And due to the safe ride home orders that we have here in Los Angeles, we just can't do that anymore. So we're trying to be very creative and using 
go-to meeting and, you know, where it's safe for, for people to just access um, our services, but it's taking longer. And of course, firms are also working on their their placements and trying to figure out how they can help us with shorter term cases versus our longer full scope cases. It's one thing to be in a city with many major law firms and corporations, but law firms and corporations in smaller markets and rural communities are facing a challenge of their own. Dorothy Varon, lead counsel in the corporate law department and founder of Mass Mutual's Pro Bono Committee, explains how Mass Mutual is serving the community. As much as we try to harness the goodwill of all the lawyers in the community, it is a lot harder for a small firm to, to devote the kind of time that you see in major markets. So collaborating and trying to utilize more than just lawyers and to be sure we're talking to organizations that are already have built infrastructures and, you know, all of these things are the, way, the ways in which we've been dealing with the fact that we're in a small community with small firms. And again, I, I don't think that the that COVID hasn't changed that focus for us, but it is certainly, it shines a light just on how significant the needs are in smaller communities because we don't have large firm resources. And the bigger the demand for pro bono work, the, the more it shines a light on how important it is for, for organizations like Mass Mutual to really step up and, and be leaders. Legal aid organizations across the country have been implementing different measures and new technologies to adjust to working remotely. They've had to adapt quickly and rethink how they interact with clients. Sylvia Argueta explains how the Legal Aid Foundation of Los Angeles has adjusted. Communication is everything. And so we've increased our phone services so that our, our staff phones ring um, on their cell phones. Um, so they are connected to their office, to their office phones all the time. We have increased our go-to meeting accounts so that now every lawyer in the organization, 72 of them, have go-to meeting accounts and kudos to go-to meetings for providing 54 of those licenses for free. We also instituted other measures like we have DocuSign, we have MetroFax, which does faxing for remotely. We can do it from home so our support staff can, you know, send faxes because the Veterans Administration, for example, they only accept faxes. They don't accept emails. So our Veterans Justice Center has got to get documents out for clients, and MetroFax allows us to do that. We also are sending mail remotely using a system called Postal Methods. And so we are constantly trying to figure out what else can we do to increase technology. Every staff member was sent home with either a laptop or a or a tablet so that they could work from home. And we are very fortunate that Legal Services Corporation has given technology grants uh, to its grantees, and that will allow us to further purchase more laptops, more licenses for our case management system, and for our law students, because we're still going forward with our law program in the summer. And so we are, and it allows us to do more outreach with uh, the technology that we do have by embedding our Chromebooks into shelters. Even though they're closed, they have our Chromebooks and they can open them up. And the, the women, mostly, who are in these shelters can then get remote legal services. And that's been very helpful to them. And we're grateful to the, to the shelters who their staff are, they understand the needs of their clients. And so they open up the Chromebook and there we are and we start a session to provide legal services to them. 
Along with adjusting internally to support remote work, pro bono clinics are now going virtual. You know, a lot of it is, is always communication, working with our pro bono um, partners by having connecting the volunteers with clients that have remote access for our full scope cases. So that's handled, if not even say, your limited action type cases. So the limited actions are the clinics where pro bonos would go to a location, as I mentioned earlier, and provide the services. So what we're doing now, and I'm so happy to report that we had a clinic with Warner Brothers, and their counsel came in remotely, and our clients luckily had the ability and capacity to also go into our go-to meeting. And they worked for about three to four hours with clients on expungement. And it wasn't a huge volume, but it was wonderful to have four Warner Brothers Council, pro bono council, and four of our staff members, plus four clients working through an expungement clinic that usually does take about two hours. This took a little bit closer to four because of the back and forth on remote. But that's our commitment, and I think that's the commitment. We're so grateful to Warner Brothers for saying we're in. And, and let's do this clinic. And it may not be the large numbers. These clinics usually are like 30, 40, 50 people that are assisted. This is a smaller number, but we were so heartened that they wanted to continue and we wanted to continue. And of course, the clients needed the services because now more than ever, expunging records is so important for the people. Hopefully when, when jobs open up, they, they will be right there and able to, to apply for these jobs. That's just a great example. And I saw we took pictures of the screens and and we were so happy. To, I was so happy when I saw what was happening because our work continues and I love that our pro bono partners are reaching out. For the in-house community, remote work and using technology to do business is familiar. Mike O'Connor, General Counsel of Mass Mutual, and Dorothy Varen explain how remote work is business as usual. I guess, first of all, absolutely, you know, using technology to assist pro bono clients is not only possible, but, 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 you know, we were doing it before this crisis hit. We're obviously doing it a lot more now. I won't say it's easy for us, but it, it's not new for us just, just culturally, you know, as a, as a legal department, even though our headquarters is in Springfield, you know, we've got, we've got lawyers in Connecticut. We have lawyers in Boston. We have lawyers in New York. We have some lawyers who, who work from home, essentially, one in North Carolina, one in Virginia, one in Atlanta. So, you know, remote work arrangements are not new to us. Uh, so it's, it's been, I won't say seamless. It has not been um, insurmountably difficult for us to transition to, to a largely technology-based form of, of communication. So, so we've been able to to do that. We've got we've got good technology that that people have been able to to work from home. Some are better at using it than others. I'll let you guess which category of that I'm in. Yeah, and I mean to to be honest with you, the the veteran that that might I have a small team that represents a veteran in a discharge upgrade matter, and and he's not local, you know. So we don't meet with him on a on a face to face basis in any event. And so we've used technology and, and ways to communicate remotely since we took on the, the matter. So, and needless to say, Mass Mutual is probably far ahead of the curve in technology than I hope the court system in Massachusetts will forgive me for this, but then the court system in Massachusetts 
you know, so, so to, to the extent that we need to adapt to technology to, to facilitate something we're being asked to do for programs that we don't already have in place. But so, for example, some things that the courts are asking us to do, the likelihood is quite large that we can deal with whatever technology the court is asking us to, to, to build or stand up. So we haven't found really any challenges in that regard, and, and we just continue to, you know, operate sort of business as usual, except, as Mike mentioned, where we're kind of trying to be responsive to the needs outside of our current existing programming so that we can, we can provide volunteers as, as needed. Clearly, technology plays a vital role in allowing corporations, law firms, and legal aid organizations to function while adhering to social distancing requirements and other operating restrictions. However, as all of today's experts pointed out, the client communication chain is only as strong as its weakest link, and this often dictates the use of low-tech approaches to communicating with clients. Angela Vigil made the great point that when legal professionals are choosing the technologies to use, the emphasis needs to be on client access over high-end features. I'm finding really interesting is watching those of us from the parts of the legal community that are pretty lucky, right? We're really fortunate. We have all kinds of access to all kinds of different tools, really experiencing how much that access to tools isn't universal and that your client can't get to you unless you use WhatsApp. It's not a, which thing do you want to choose? It's, this is the option, right? I can use WhatsApp because I'm at my cousin's house and he still has Wi-Fi. And so I can use WhatsApp on Wi-Fi and I don't have minutes on my phone. So that's, you know, this is how we're going to have to talk. And, um, you know, when you ha when you are in a vulnerable situation, including, of course, if you're living in, in or near a level of poverty, you, you don't have as many options. We have more options. We can be more flexible on the service side, on the pro bono side. And we're all learning a lot in that space, I think. For the, for the young people that still get to be connected, it's not so much a matter of where can they get to a computer screen like they were before. It's how can we work with them using the technology technology ability we have right now. So it's not they're not going to go to the shelter and record and get on the screen with us now. They're going to do it on their cell phones. Sylvia Argueta points out how Legal Aid Foundation of Los Angeles clients are also adjusting to the new type of communication and the use of apps to do what they would normally do in person with an attorney. They're using their personal cell phones. You can't really tell that they're using it because of the camera. But they are. It's so fascinating. They will take a document and literally they can, They we told them to, you know, use GeniusCan because it's a free app. We told them how to download GeniusCan. And they were thrilled. They were like, oh, I can just scan my documents to you this way because they were like, I don't have a scanner. We're like, you don't really need a real scanner. You need, if your phone can do this, it's great. So it's, you know, it's pro bono. Ned had always said that 70% of our clients have cell phones, smartphones, and we were seeing that come to life. It's, of course, it would have to be new they did, but now the use of it and being able to tell them you can download an app to make it easier for us to work with you. And even the pro bono yesterday were impressed. They were like, wow, they hit scan things. They were like, take a picture of your document. And they're like, no, I can scan it. <laughs> and that was really, it, it, you know, it's that remote technology that is so important to also educate your clients about. So it's been a good partnership. And actually one of the clients did comments. They said, people are just a little, I mean, they were dressed, but they were more casual than a suit, which is what a client is used to, right? 
from the pro bonos, and they said that it made it less intimidating because a song, our pro bono director, is just fantastic. So she immediately does like a, how was it? What did you think? Especially because we're trying to see well, on the, from the client perspective, what did they think of, of the help they were receiving from the pro bono? And they said, well, you know, they were like, oh, you know, the, the lawyers, they look so young and, and they're puzzled. And it makes it, you said, it makes it less intimidating. And they're like, are they at their house? And they're like, yeah, they're at their home because, you know, we have stay-at-home orders. Angela Vigil at Baker McKenzie raises an important concern of privacy within the attorney-client relationship and what that means. But then we have to have thoughtful conversations about, okay, let's talk about attorney-client privilege. Let's talk about finding you a space where you can communicate with us, where you know that it is a safe, trusting space. The interesting thing for us is that we're working with generations of people, young people um, and young adults, who are very much accustomed to living online. So I think it's really interesting that the, I think it's interesting that for my generation would not be quite so comfortable taking their the most important and most frightening and most difficult things in their lives and talking about it in front of a screen, right? But a 14-year-old, 15-year-old, that's where they talk about everything and that's completely normal to them. What we have to kind of instill in them is that they're owed a degree of privacy, that they don't actually maybe exercise or protect as much as they could. So it's a learning curve for all of us. Mike and Dorothy of Mass Mutual recognize and have felt a new spirit in this new age of providing legal services and the power of pro bono. The maybe silver lining to some of this is, you know, we've been doing weekly town halls with the full legal compliance audit department. And, and you know, we always talk a little bit about pro bono opportunities. And I'd say my impression, this is anecdotal, it's not a scientific survey, but people who, you know, have been reluctant to pitch in before are, are coming out of the woodwork now and looking for ways to help. And I think, you know, I think the spirit that, that the response to this COVID-19 crisis part of is, is actually drumming up a lot of enthusiasm for participation in, in pro bono from, from lawyers, from non-lawyers across the board. And I, you know, I hope we're able to to harness that and to build on it as, as we come out of this, because, you know, the needs are great, but, but you know, hopefully we will have uh, a lot more momentum in terms of increasing participation as we move forward. Well, I, I'll tell you that, that when I think about doing pro bono work, I think about the great wisdom of refrigerator magnets. I have a refrigerator magnet <laughs> and it's a picture of a butterfly and the butterfly is over a forest fire dropping two drops of water onto the forest fire and the the magnet says I'm doing what I can and you oh. know when I think of pro bono uh, and the needs of community the greater community I think of that butterfly and I think you know everybody dropping two little drops of water onto uh, you know whatever the particular you know fire is in their community if everybody did it and everybody did what they could, it would certainly be a significant boost in, in the number of people we could help. So I, I just always try to remind people, it's not how much you do, it's that you do something. And, and my, my words of encouragement to everybody out there is just do what you can. 
I can't I can't one up Dorothy on that one. I think the butterfly <laughs> captures it. But I, I I would just say you know again I, I, what I always say and and I think you know recently we've had examples of this. You know we ha- we had a client who many of us worked with on an asylum project uh, that was ultimately successful. We were able to to get the client asylum and and you know as we've gone through the crisis he's been communicating with us and he had a few health issues and luckily things worked out well, but, you know, just that relationship and, and kind of hearing from him, you know, is all, is, is all the reward you need. Right. And, and what I always remind people, you know, you, you, you get more out of, of volunteering and contributing to pro bono than, than you put in. And I, you know, I, that sounds cliche, but, but I, I, I believe it's the truth. Thank you to Sylvia, Angela, Mike, and Dorothy for their thoughtful remarks and leadership on the coronavirus pandemic. You can expect to hear more of what they had to say on future podcasts. Developments in the coronavirus are moving fast, but the legal community is adapting to move with it. Please watch for more COVID-19 focused episodes as we continue to shine light on the legal sector's response to this evolving crisis. We also hope that if you're not already doing so, you will join with those already taking action. More resources on how to help are available at www.probonoinst.org. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and be well.